Welcome into episode 17. Is it 17, John? It is number 17 we're on, Chris. Can't believe it. Oh Man. Well, well, welcome back, I should say. Yeah, welcome back. We've been away for two weeks. Yeah, we had uh, we had to take a little bit of a, a break, a little bit of a sabbatical, sabbatical. if you will. Uh, we had uh, had some sick ninos. Uh, that's kids in Spanish. Kids. Um, um, you know, uh, my wife got a little ill. Uh, Chris's daughter got a little, mm-hmm. little ill as well. So we had to, the streptococcus. A little strepto- went through the stre- yeah. <laughs> went through that. Went through the house. Yeah. So uh, we had to uh, we had to take a little bit of a sabbatical to get everybody healthy and well. But we're back on it. Back um, on it. We're ready to get uh, get going, and we're uh, here to bring uh, some gear joy into yeah. your life. I was about to say. So this is the first time where we're probably talking about gear just for the sake of gear, right? right? So we've brought it up in previous things, but it's always correlated to the working part of being a musician. Correct. And, you know, John and I, we've compared some notes verbally, and mm-hmm. we've had a lot of people tell us, like, hey, you know, the thing we love about the podcast is that you're really helping direct mm-hmm. working musicians, and that's great. Right. You're 16 episodes deep. Mm-hmm. Where's the Where's the episodes on gear? Yeah, start talking about some gears, guys. Here we are. So we are here in February to talk about some gear, um, but first, um, Chris and I got the chance to do a gig together over the weekend, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, which is great. Uh, we got some uh, got some other gigs that are coming up, uh, but we thought this would be a great way to get into the month of February and kind of let everybody know what the stuff that we use and why we use it. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that's going to be. Um, a lot of uh, fruit bearing for people, just to kind of give you a glimpse of what we're, what we, what we use to achieve what we got to achieve. For sure, yeah. I mean, I think with gear, you know, you, you play, you know, for for drummers, like you, you have a big drum set, and mm-hmm. eventually over time, as you continue to do gigs over gigs, everything's kind of gets refined and refreshed, mm-hmm. and you know, you get down to your actual kit. So we're going to dive into that with this episode. We're going to talk about what we use for pretty much every gig. Yeah, and. Um, dissect it for you so if you're ready John we're gonna get into it let's do this so John let's start with you um we'll start with your guitars yes um so I mean for for gigging purposes a uh a professional guitar player no no, no pun intended to the ones out there that only have guilty as charged sir (laughs) a professional guitar player will probably bring more than one guitar to a gig usually yeah i would say that's probably the case yeah so for tunings or for a string break or things like that so tell me about your guitars so so right now um and i've kind of mentioned this in previous episodes um i've kind of got my um both worlds covered. Uh, I usually bring a Fender style guitar. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. In this case, um, I have a Telecaster that I bring, um, and I have a Gibson style guitar, and it is a Gibson Les Paul. Nice, um, a great guitar. It is a uh, just a standard a Gibson uh, Les Paul standard with a really. It's got a, a, um, a little nicer top on it. Mm-hmm. Um, so usually, that's pretty much. What I bring to every gig is the I bring a Tele and uh, a Les Paul, mm-hmm. and that pretty much gets me through every type of of uh, genre I need to. Um, every now and again, I will bring a Stratocaster in lieu of Telecaster, but mm-hmm. it's they're pretty much one and the same for the most part. Let me let me play devil's advocate. Sure. Uh, obviously, those two types of guitars are iconic for good reason. Um, 
Tell me why you wouldn't bring an Ibanez or a Schecter. Uh, well, listen, <laughs> not that there's anything wrong with said Ibanez or Schecter. Um, it, it's it's mainly um, those are the tools that are going to get the job done that I'm uh, that I'm going to be doing the gigs I'm going to be performing. Your specific needs. Specific mm-hmm. needs, exactly. Mm-hmm. If I were going to a um, a metal gig or you know some progressive hard rock type stuff, I might bring. You know, have like a really nice Ibanez Prestige in my mm-hmm. arsenal. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that that's what it calls for. Right. So, um, you know, and, and granted, you know, um, you know, Schecter and Ibanez, they they make some really good, um, you know, Fender style Gibson style guitars that mm-hmm. you know aren't necessarily. Uh, metal style or metal looking guitars mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I uh, like some of their artist series for instance Ibanez um, they uh, Andy Timmons is mm-hmm. one of their artists and it's basically it looks just like a Stratocaster that's cool you know and I've played one and they're phenomenal guitars I would love to have one you know um, so um, you know, and, and the same for Schecter they have a custom shop and they make a lot of like Fender style guitars mm-hmm. um so it's not a ne- it's not necessarily that I uh, don't the brands are specific to metal. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's just a preference. Okay. Um, but definitely look into Ibanez, uh, the Andy Timmons model, um, a lot of the Prestige um, Ibanez Prestige series guitars are really good quality. Cool. Um, you know, and even even the Schecter guys they have a custom shop and they make really good stuff. Um, However, I use those guitars just work for me. Mm. Um, they, 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 it's a comfort thing for me. I know yeah. kind of what I'm getting. I know how to. No surprises. No surprises, yeah. if you will. And, yeah. and it covers every type of genre that I'm playing on mm. a gig. Cool. So that, that's pretty much in a nutshell why I choose those guitars, those styles of guitars. Um, and it just gets the job done. So, again, kind of thinking. Um, working musician right. time put in gigs played those kind of things um have you always played those guitars or uh, has it been kind of a thing that you've kind of you know you come to saying like these would be the guitars i like, did you start with something different correct oh yeah absolutely it's it's been a revolving door of instruments for sure I, i've had and used 200 hundred dollar squire telecasters mm-hmm. um that you know slap in a couple of good pickups and upgrade the the hardware in it you got to got a pretty good guitar Mm -hmm. you know um so i've you know i've i've been through so many so many guitars um and you just kind of you weed through the stuff and you figure out what works for you and what doesn't um i actually have two custom-made telecasters um that i had made for me by a guy in lawrenceville his name's bud vizi you can we'll put a link up on the show uh to vizi custom guitars okay but basically um I had, um, I, I absolutely love the Telecaster. Uh, for me, it is probably one of those desert island guitars because I can pretty much do every gig imaginable. Imaginable, I can't talk <laughs> uh, with that style of guitar. So, and as I said in, in our previous episode, we're just talking about the style, the the body shape, the neck length. It doesn't right. have to be made by Fender to be a Telecaster, right? right? It's made in that vein, if gotcha. you will. Okay. So I had him make um, um, a couple of, of tellies um, to fit my gigging needs. 
Okay. And um, it's 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 been a journey to lead up to getting that guitar made for me because I've luckily been able to play so much stuff mm-hmm. and kind of trial and error stuff. But to kind of circle back around to answer your question, you know, I started off with a um, a friend of ours gave us uh, electric guitar. It was a cheap old OK. Literally, it was called OK. Mm. It was the name of the guitar. So I believe they were. It was, an okay it was guitar. OK guitar. It was OK. It was okay. okay. It's not bad. It was OK. <laughs> um, so anyway, got that, uh, and it was a hot piece of garbage. Mm. And my mother, I told my mom, I was like, I want a Fender Stratocaster. So she. God bless her soul. She saved up and she got me a Stratocaster the following Christmas. Wow. And that was my first real guitar. It was a Mexican-made Stratocaster. Mm -hmm. Still have it to this day. Uh, And once I got that instrument in my hand and felt the craftsmanship of it and the Mm -hmm. quality and the, you know, coming from the okay guitar. Just okay guitar. You know, it was pretty substantial. So, you know, as the years pass, I progress through, you know, my, my journey as a musician. You know, I'm, you know, I'm trying out all different types of stuff. Trading in, getting stuff used on the secondary market, mm-hmm. you know, trading in and out of stuff. And that's basically how I acquired about 90% of my gears through, you know, trading up into stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, which I would highly recommend um, any if you're not doing it, um, that should be something that you're constantly doing, especially guitar players, you know, mm-hmm. because there's always new stuff that's coming out, like foot pedals. So, you know, don't don't get too attached to stuff. Yeah. Um, I guess is the, the moral, the point that of what I'm trying to say is, um, and it ties into all the guitars that I've used too. Um, don't get too attached to, to, to gear because they're just tools, right? you know, and eventually you're going to need another tool to get the job done, right? Sharper tool. Sharper tool, mm-hmm. right? Um, so, uh, you know, I've, I've played Ibanez's in my past. I've owned, I've had many Fenders, uh, quite a few Gibsons, um, but I would say Fenders and Gibsons have been the two biggest brands that I've played throughout my guitar playing career yeah. journey. Yeah, they've, um, they've so they've carved a niche they've, for themselves. They've, they've so, done pretty yeah. well. Yeah. They've carved a niche. No, I've I've had a couple of PRS guitars. Um, what else? I've had um, I had an Eastman guitar for a minute. So, you know, lots of stuff. But mainly, it's been Fender Gibson style guitars that mm-hmm. have come through, passed through my hands. Mm-hmm. And so that's, my, my my takeaway from this would be that the musician playing said instrument should be aware of their musical needs. Right? Correct. So especially with the artist that you're playing with or maybe the church that you're playing Correct. for, you know, don't, don't bring maybe a metal guitar to church. Right. right? So you know, I mean, and, and you can get a Stratocaster and rock out some metal on a Stratocaster. It just has to be outfitted properly. You probably need to put a humbuck humbucker in the bridge and pull out that single coil mm-hmm. because that single coil is not the sound of metal. It's a screaming hot humbucker. Right. 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 So you can get a guitar modified uh, with that, or excuse me, outfitted with that humbucker, either already in it or put it in yourself. Um, and you can take that same Stratocaster and do your church gig with it. No problem. That's cool. You know, and that's why 
to circle back around to the Telecaster, that's why I really, really love the Telecaster because of that. to me, the Telecaster is a guitar you can do that with. Mm-hmm. Like, um, honestly, you can do it out of the box. You know, you don't necessarily need to change the pickup in it. Um, a lot of guys that play metal or play hard rock play mm-hmm. Telecasters. Yeah. One of you the know? first, uh, you, you were talking about, um, artist series guitars. I would, you know, you see Telecaster, you think country music, but yeah, the first artist that, that kind of changed, I think that from a uh, signature guitar was John five. Yeah. His, his Fender mm-hmm. guitar is really cool. I mean, it still looks basically like a Telecaster, but it's outfitted to play right. the metal stuff. Exactly. Very, very uh, cool. and, and a newer guy, the guy from Slipknot, uh, mm-hmm. what is his name? Jim Root or mm-hmm. something Jim like Root. that. Yep. He's got a custom Telecaster with dual humbuckers in it, mm-hmm. you know? So that body, it's the, that Telecaster body style, that slab of wood, mm-hmm. right? Because it's not, there's no chambered in the body. It's just a slab of wood, mm-hmm. right? And it's a, it, it lends itself to uh, so many genres of music, the, the sonic qualities that you need. It's in that guitar. Cool. So that's why I prefer a Telecaster to a Stratocaster because mm-hmm. a Stratocaster has its own thing to it. It has a sound. Like mm-hmm. it's really, really specific type of sound and it's the way it's built the way the pickup configuration all that works together mm-hmm. um to achieve said strat sound so and a lot of times you need that you know that's that's something that you need in your arsenal so it, it, it's it's really about um you know if you're playing metal music mm-hmm. um and you want a Schecter eight string guitar then by all means go get it for sure you know fit fit your need you know get what your what your needs call for mm-hmm. but um you know you also want to calibrate yourself as well something we spoke about in our previous episodes mm-hmm. is making sure that you're preparing for not just that metal gig but maybe you're trying to get into a church gig or something like that you need something right. that's going to cover all the bases yeah 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 you, you got to think think musically right. think how is this going to Right. represent me on a gig and hopefully get callbacks. Correct. Like, yeah. The gear yeah. you choose could definitely affect that. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I think probably for drummers too, m- more so with drummers, I, I see a lot of drummers fall into this habit of, they just get whatever, you know, soup du jour drummers playing and they don't really think about like, I don't need all this all the stuff crap yeah. Yeah. right yeah i'm sure well, you can elaborate yeah. on that kind of stuff well i think the first thing that happens early in in any player's um development is that you know you kind of try, you copy your heroes yeah absolutely right? as you should too yeah. as you should um but part of doing that like copying mm-hmm. your heroes you have to be careful like um you know your heroes play in a very specific environment. Right. Right. So whether it be a metal drummer or guitar player or bass player or whatever it may be, if you're a working musician Mm -hmm. who's trying to get the gigs on the weekend, Mm -hmm. the Friday, the Saturday, the Sunday, or whatever it may be, you're not playing in a very specific environment. You have to be kind of fluid. So like you're saying with guitars, you have to have something that's going to cover more bases. Correct. So you're Alex Van Halen or you're Eddie Van Halen or you're Vinnie Paul, Mm -hmm. you know, playing a 14 and a 15 inch floor tom as your main toms probably ain't going to work and it's not going to work in your bar gig right? right so yeah to to that point absolutely i think being aware of what you need after you go through the phase of man mm-hmm. i'm going to copy some of this stuff um definitely be aware of your needs um 
drums, I think, are a unique industry mm-hmm. because there are, in my mind, three companies that kind yep. of dominate yep. the media. Yep. They don't dominate the sales, but they dominate the media. We're and correct. I'm speaking marketing. specific. Yeah, marketing. I'm speaking specifically to DW, yeah. Pearl, and yep. Tama. Yep. Now, there are our other amazing drum companies out mm-hmm. there that are just on their heels. Gretsch, Yamaha, Yamaha. one of my personal favorites. Yep. Um, and many, many others. I mean, we had um, Sonar, our buddy, you know, Sonar Drums are amazing. We had our, had our buddy on here, Shannon Corey, talk about um, yeah, the trick, tri- drums. trick drums. Yeah, Incredible stuff. But, you yep. know, marketing and media and all this stuff costs money. And right. so that stuff kind of gets buried under the DWs and the Tamas and the Pearls. So, Correct. Um, I would encourage drummers to be careful. You know, obviously buying one of those three companies can't go wrong. You, yeah, right? you're probably going to get a rock solid product yeah. for the most part. Those I are, would agree. Those are great mm-hmm. drums, but dig a little deeper because you may yes. find something that you 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 man, that's actually pretty cool. You know, yeah. Yeah. get a Yamaha, get a Grand, right. get a Sonar. If it's in the budget, you know, right? Those are you know, and and I can speak to guitarists. And and Gibson guitars uh, got into a lot of trouble with this. Are you going to go out and spend $3,000 on a Gibson guitar? Or are you going to call Bud Veazey, who could probably make you two custom guitars for that same price? Yeah, to your specifications. To your specs. Yeah. Everything to your specifications. Mm-hmm. What type of wood, the frets, the pickups, all that stuff. You can be made, it can be made custom for you. Mm-hmm. So that's the problem with guitar companies is that all of these uh, you can get custom made guitars. You know, you can get spec guitars. Like there's companies, uh, uh, Warmoth, they make bodies and necks, uh, Music Craft, um, uh, you know, Neville guitars, um, they make necks and bodies. You know, you can basically make your own instrument. Mm-hmm. You can, you know, outsource um, your, your products and put this thing together, mm-hmm. and it's going to sound just as good as that $3,000. PRS, John Mayer Stratocaster. Right. Right. Which right. is probably, I think it's actually more than three grand. Yeah. The new ones I think are more than So three. you can literally, you can build a guitar, in my humble opinion, mm-hmm. that is just as good as that damn guitar that they're selling yep. from PRS. Right. No doubt about it. So this is part of getting kind of trapped or stuck in the trap. Yeah. So just marketing and products. Now, if you've got the money and that's what you want, God bless America, go get what you want. If Mm -hmm. that's what you want. But there's, it's, 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 you know, it's a calibration thing to kind of touch, to keep beating a dead horse, but it really is. It's, it's figuring out what you need Mm -hmm. and, and cutting through the muck and with guitarists and guitar makers and manufacturers, if you've got you know, a thousand bucks, you know, 1200 bucks. Yeah. You can get a really, really bitching guitar either made for you or you can buy the parts yourself, body, neck, you know, you can get online and buy a kit. Pickups are already wired in the body. Mm-hmm. Everything. They just send you a pre-wired body. Wow. You know, your volume tone, pickup switch, everything's wired. Mm-hmm. They send it to you. You get your neck. Bolt on the neck, string it up, you're ready to go. That's cool. Yeah. You know, um, Bud actually, he gets, he what he'll do is he'll order you the, you know, whatever whatever you want. He doesn't make them from scratch. You mm-hmm. know, he outsources his necks and bodies, but they're, they're unfinished. Um, he does all the staining, you know, puts whatever electronics hardware in there. 
So you can save a lot of money doing it that route, you mm-hmm. know, and there's, there's tons of people out there that are, uh, making, you know, good affordable guitars that are, you know, kind of doing it out of their basement, if you will, mm-hmm. or, 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 you know, luthiers on the side. Um, but I guess my point is, is that you, you don't necessarily need to fall into that marketing trap. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it, it's, quality instruments or quality gear can be had at reasonable prices. Definitely. And that's kind of where I try to, that's where I try to live, you know, because it makes sense for me because I want to be playing a lot. Like I don't want to, I'm not a collector. I'm not going to buy something just to show people or have Mm -hmm. it sit in a closet. Mm -hmm. If I'm going to buy a piece of gear, I'm going to use it. Yeah. Not a trophy. It's not a trophy. Yeah. Um, so, that that's something that that sticks home to me now for instance with the les paul um it's just something that i wanted mm-hmm. you know and i found a good one that sounded good um there was a need there and even though i actually uh, bud made me another custom telecaster that is a gibson style guitar um it's got a gibson scale length um, humbucker configuration mm-hmm. But it just, you know, it wasn't a Les Paul. So I went out and got one, you know, uh, traded into it, you know, actually mm-hmm. traded some amps and, and got it. So, um, you know, your needs are, are, are ever evolving, mm-hmm. you know, you're constantly recalibrating what you need. But um, for me, I've found exactly the, I don't, I've cut away, I've trimmed the fat, Mm -hmm. if you will. Yeah. So I figured out, okay, these are the two guitars I can do every gig with Mm -hmm. under the sun and I've acquired them. Mm -hmm. Right. And, you know, uh, that's something I think that people, you know, especially with guitar players, I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm not, I'm not a drummer. I can't speak to drummers, but just getting stuff for, for, you know, that's going to lend itself, uh, to covering multiple bases, man. Mm-hmm. Cause that's something that I fell into earlier was I got a Stratocaster and it was awesome, but I was playing like hard rock and metal. Yeah. I probably should have gotten like a really nice Ibanez prestige guitar or something. And I could have lended itself to what I was doing at the time, yeah. perhaps. Right. So, so you're, you're aware of that now. Yeah. I'm right? aware of so, that now and you're yeah. not, you're not in the moment, but um, you know, the, it, so if you want a good Gibson guitar, you know, if you can afford, uh, a custom shop 59 reissue or any of their custom shop stuff, go for it. Um, to me, if you're looking for like an off the shelf Gibson guitar, something you can just go and buy, you don't have to get from the custom shop. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the standards, the Gibson Les Paul standards are usually a safe bet. Mm-hmm. Um, you can research on your own time, the years, um, that, that are, you can usually, they're better, the quality or they're more consistent. Uh, for instance, I think on the Oh three Oh four Gibson Les Paul models mm-hmm. back when Gibson had its last little peak before it went to, went to crap. Mm-hmm. They made some really good standards. They used some really good wood and nice tops on them. And, um, there are some other ones that you don't want to get like the newer ones, like the 13s to 16s maybe that have the robo tuners. And I mean, they're just no good. They're crap. Mm. They're hot garbage. Mm. So, um, there's tons of forums online uh, that you can get on and 
lots of heated debate about these years are good, these years are crap. But I have um, mine is an O3 standard with a. It's got a. It's an upgraded model. It's got a plus top on it, so it's got a really nice flame top on it. Beautiful guitar. Um, but the reason why I got that guitar is because I played it acoustically and it sounded amazing. Yeah, I just popped the low E string and just I felt it in my innards. Mm. So another good tip when you're getting a guitar, don't plug it in. Mm-hmm. Get it off the wall, off the rack, wherever. Hold it to your body and just pluck the low E string. Mm-hmm. And and if you can feel the, the resonation, resonation yeah. then you got a good, it's going to sound good plugged in. Mm-hmm. So a little tip. That's cool. Um, which is what I which is what I do. Mm-hmm. I, first thing I do when I'm looking for a new guitar is how does that low E sound when I pop it? And I don't hit it with a pick. I take it and I pluck it with my finger. Right. You know, so you just get, making it, yeah. you know, really dynamically pop. Right. And um, so I did that with this guitar, and it had had that resonation resonation in it. Excuse me. Um, so I was like, okay, this is the Gibson guitar I need. Mm-hmm. Got to have it in the arsenal. Mm-hmm. It's, this is the one. So I got it. Um, and, and it's the same thing with amps. You know, I've gone through, you know, Fenders. I've gone through Marshalls. You know, had matchless amps, and they're all great. Mm-hmm. You know, and if you can, if you're uh, fortunate enough to have a collection of those, I would say do it um, because it's. You can never have too many amplifiers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with guitars, you get four guitars, you pretty much got them covered. You mm-hmm. know, Fender style, Gibson style, hollow body, 12 string, you know, Rickenbacker style guitar. Right. You know, that's going to cover sonically everything you need a guitar. Maybe a baritone guitar now if you're doing the country stuff, because they'll do a lot of baritone overdubs, but. Mm-hmm. With amplifiers, there's all different types of flavors. You can change, you can take a a simple chord progression, just three chords, and play that chord progression through a Fender amp or a Marshall, and it's going to take on a different kind of life because of the amplifier. Mm -hmm. So being able to have different flavors of amps is good. I would say having um, multiple amps is probably... If you're a working musician, you probably either already have multiple amps or you should try to get at least two. Mm. Um, you know, some sort of Fender style amplifier, which we've talked about what Fender style amplifiers are, mm-hmm. and some sort of uh, British based amplifier, Marshall style amplifier. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have those two bases covered, then you pretty much got it, you've, you've got the meat and potatoes down. So, you know, I. Right now, um, the thing that I have been turned on to is all the digital modeling. Right. Um, so that's a game changer. Um, because that basically negates the amp in a it way. It does. Right? So all right. that digital amp modeling, cabinet simulation. Cabinet simulation, yeah. digital um, uh, simulation of said amplifier. And it's all right there. You don't have to tote it around. Um, and it sounds pretty good. Yeah. Um, it sounds pretty good. Yeah. Check back at previous episodes. Jones talked about the line six stuff. Yeah. 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 So just to kind of briefly, um, touch on, I'm using the, um, the HX stomp, which is basically the helix, Mm -hmm. uh, technology. Um, so I've been using that uh, for gosh, probably the past two months. Um, and that's been 
my amp and cabinet uh, for just about every gig I've done since I've got it. Um, my main touring rig that I use uh, when I go on the road is I have a um, the EVH um, 5150, um, the Fender uh, made uh, Eddie Van Halen heads, 50 mm-hmm. watt head. Mm-hmm. And a 212 cabinet, closed back cabinet with eminent speakers in it. That's usually what I take on the road. Um, and I have a massive pedal board um, that's got all kinds of pedals on it. And I have a um, basically a, an effects strip that all the pedals uh, tap into. Mm-hmm. So I can turn uh, n- a number of them on and off with one one switch. So that's kind of controlling the big pedal board, but I don't use that anymore mm. now that I've gotten this stuff because there's no point. You know, right. it's it's just it's replaced a lot of that stuff, especially for gigging around here. So the HX Stomp, the technology that that's in the Helix stuff, man. Um, Kemper makes really good products that they have amp and cab modeling. Um, uh, the uh, Axe Effects, same deal. But my specific um, you know, use of the HX stomp has been, it's a game changer, man. I mean, it, it, I, I don't need, I don't feel sonically that I'm missing anything. Now, obviously my trained ears, I hear the there's, differences. There's things here and there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I still prefer the sound of my cranked up head. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's just, they haven't got there yet. But they're pretty damn close. Yeah. They are really close. For all the gear that you would have to lug. Correct. It's close enough. It's close enough. Yeah. You know. Um, so I would, I, you know, and, and, and a lot of people um, have, are still, you know, a lot of the podcasts that I listen to, um, guitar-related podcasts, a lot of people still are kind of, uh, they're not really bashing it, but they're mm-hmm. just they're kind of yeah. you know keeping keeping it at an arm's length mm-hmm. um i think the impulse response technology has is a little more sexier mm-hmm. to people um because it it um i think it's a little more uh sonically the fidelity to them are a little more on point mm-hmm. um the amp and cab modeling or excuse me the amp amplifier modeling technology um still has some work mm still still needs a little bit of work but mm. it's good enough yeah I'm, I'm telling you people right now it's good enough yeah. i've heard people use these helixes coming through the front of house and you cannot it just it, it sounds really good it works yeah so that's what i'm using for my amp and cabinet model right now i've got a um a Friedman BE 100 amp model mm-hmm. that I'm using. Um, and it's basically, I've got it set for a clean sound and I'm using my big pedal board, um, my touring pedal board. I'll tap into the HX stomp so I can use my favorite analog pedals and be able to control, you know, my presets like I normally would do if I'm using a tube amp. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, if I, if I'm going out to play with an artist, I'll bring my HX stomp and my big pedal board and I'll tap my pedals right into that. And the HX stomp will go out to the front of house via a DI mm-hmm. and ready to go. That's- and it's huge. There's, there's no amp, amp noise on the stage. Mm-hmm. There's no volume for me on the stage at all, which yeah. helps out tremendously. I'm sure. So, Any vocalist you play with, yeah, loves that. And, and and that's something that um, I've had to adjust, calibrate myself to because I once I started singing 
BGVs, backup vocals, mm-hmm. um, you know, my approach to my instrument had to change. Mm. Um, you know, we've talked about this in previous episodes about being conscious of your volume. How yeah. loud are you? Yep. You know, um, and, and similar with, with, with playing drums, like dynamic control for a drummer, like you've got to be able to, to, to have that, that governor yeah. on your playing, yeah. if you will, but yeah. still play with an intent, right. conviction, but you got to just put a governor yeah. on it a little bit. Exactly. You know, so um, I, I have noticed a huge difference um, as it relates to the rest of my bandmates by using this technology. People's mixes are easier to get dialed in because there's not a screaming loud yeah. ass guitar. I'm about to say there's no competing volume on right. stage. Yeah. So um, that's that's kind of um, where I'm getting into right now is all of the multi effects, the digital amp and cab simulation has really been moving the needle for me. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you know, if I had a desert island amplifier. Uh, I would probably say it'd be like an old blackface Princeton reverb. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I could probably do just about every gig I needed to do with that amplifier. So, um, you know, and if you are the guy that likes to get vintage gear and like do it, I mean, you know, I just, for me, I don't, I'm not going to use a wall full of amplifiers. You know, I, I'm at a point in my career where if I'm not going to use it, I'm not going to buy it. Right just takes up space it just takes up space one more thing to carry and move right. even if you don't move it to the gig you have to move it right and i'm room. sure you can attest to it you and i've had multiple conversations about if you're not going to use it i'm not going to bring it to a gig or right. or what am i doing right? right that's just harder on your body yeah especially for a drummer like i mean i know amps are heavy but i mean you carry in cymbals and a bass drum and hardware case and all these things and eventually you get to the point where you're like I'm, I'm thinking in terms of weight right? and how many individual Correct. items I'm bringing. And I had a, had a guy tell me a long time ago when I worked at the music store, totally made me think about setting up drums and tearing down drums differently. Mm-hmm. He said, the next time you set your drums up, count how many wing nuts you have to adjust. Mm-hmm. Yep. I was mm-hmm. like, yep. man, that's interesting. So I take a look at my drum set even now, and I have 26 wing nuts that I interact with, and I play a four-piece kit. Yeah, you know, That's it's just lot. the nature of drums. Sure, you know, there's correct. a lot of things you have to adjust. Yeah. But think about the guy that plays the seven-piece kit. He's probably got 40 wing nuts that he's right. adjusting, right? Right. So not only does it come down to weight and amount of items, but think about your setup. Think about your teardown. Yeah. Especially at night. I mean, the teardown is like you've played. You're tired. You know, what are you doing to yourself to make your job? in your life easier. Correct. Like bringing those smaller things. It it makes a big difference. And and especially for drummers, when I see drummers that are bringing out like racks and setting up racks, Mm, goodness, I'm like, it's a lot of work. Really want to do that? Mm Mm-hmm. Because you can't normally, if it's a proper rack, you're not carrying that in by yourself. No, Mm -hmm. no. And listen, if that's, that's how you do business and that's just how you do business. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm I'm not trying to sit here and, and, and poo poo on that. Right. Um, but for me, as I've gotten older and realized that I'm playing for the audience, not, I'm not doing this for myself. Right. And yeah. that's, that's when my mindset changed. Right. Um, now me, the other thing that lent well to me purchasing the HX stomp is my working in music stores, man. Like I'm, I was trying out gear left and right as it's mm-hmm. coming in. Right. Especially guitar related, all the foot pedals, all the guitars, all the string companies, all the pick companies. Like I'm trying out everything 
I mean, that's literally everything. I mean, that's almost as if you were well, the ma- you know, major brands. Yeah, the major right? brands. I mean, that's that's indispensable to, to have that opportunity. I mean, just like imagine being able to have everything laid out in front of you and saying, "Try it all." Correct. Not buy it all. Try it all. That's Not huge. to mention, um, I had a um, teacher at AIM, um, great guy. Um, his name's Carl Culpepper. Um, taught me a lot about effects, man. Like he would bring in his rig sometimes, his pedal board. And man, I would just ask him so many questions. I'm surprised he didn't slap me across the lips a couple times. <laughs> but such a nice guy. Great. I mean, uh, just a monster player. But I loved it when he brought in his pedal board because I got to see what he was using. Mm-hmm. I got to ask him how he was powering all his pedals. Right. Like, like I'm using like individual power supplies, you oh know, it just looks like a hot mess. I'm yeah. Like, and he's got one cable coming out the back of his yeah. pedal board. Just daisy chaining all of it. Right. Yeah. And I'm like, holy crap. Yeah. Whoa. So, you know, I'm, I'm a little fortunate because a lot of guitar players, they don't have that luxury. They don't have world-class teacher mm-hmm. players that are, you know, at school. So I, I took advantage of that. I asked lots of questions. Um, I asked why he used what he used, what he liked about them. Um, and there were some things that he would bring in that I didn't necessarily like. Mm-hmm. I didn't sonically, I, was like, eh, I don't know about that, which was bear more fruit than the stuff that I did like mm-hmm. because it, it eliminated a lot of, because back then, you know, this is in 1998, 99, 2000 mm-hmm. when I'm at school. You know, all these different boutique pedal companies weren't around. You know, it was just your major, major guys. So being able to try all this stuff out as I'm working at a music store, um, after I get out of music school, my teachers bringing it, it just really, I, I, I got to uh, focus in on really what I needed, sounds that I needed to achieve. Mm-hmm. And, um, I think that that's, um, you know, something that really people, you know, guitar players really need to do is, um, you know, definitely embrace the technology and be able, if you, the more you can do and the more you can cover, the more genres you can play, your ability to analyze a song and be able to break down the tones that you're going to need to achieve said sound, Mm -hmm. that is so important. Yep. It's so important, yep. you know, and especially for drummers, you know, it, you got to be able to listen to the song and nail the groove. Yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, learning the songs really important, yeah. but I think the thing you're talking about is like awareness of the gear that you need mm-hmm. for the gigs you're going to play, mm-hmm. covering a lot of stuff. Um, I could speak from a drummer standpoint specifically to like cymbals. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. Again, we can talk about heroes and all these kind of things. I think it comes down to two things that make people make the choices they make for gear. Mm-hmm. One of it is either a review yeah. or, or a hero type thing, like right. maybe a connection there, right. and then marketing. Yeah. Right? So we see brands like DW and Gibson mm-hmm. and Zildjian mm-hmm. and Fender. I mean, mm-hmm. these are the big names that have the marketing dollars. Right. Yeah. Um, they do. But... A specific brand that I use and probably will never use any other symbols is Minel symbols. Yeah, Minel's great. I, I mean, man. working back at the music store, kind of seeing the come up mm-hmm. of Minel because Minel did percussion. Yeah, forever. I mean, they were they they're still pretty they're they're kind of newbies in the symbol business, man. Yeah, I mean, this we're talking two thousand three, yeah. two thousand four. Yeah. Uh, played a gig um, 
kind of showing my my age a little bit. I played a, a, a with a band in Atlanta that was super popular called um, Acres, mm-hmm. uh, led by a guy named Tim Acres. And the percussionist in that band, her name is Jennifer Lowe. She went mm-hmm. by Jen Jen Lowe. She was no relation to J Lo. No relation to okay. J Lo. Okay, right. spelled the same though. I think. Um, so she was uh, endorsed by okay. Minor Percussion, but the symbol thing uh, was starting to come together. Right. So we did this one show in Nashville at the Exit Inn, and now, uh, Minel has a headquarters, uh, headquarters there. there in Nashville. Yeah. So a couple of the guys come out mm-hmm. um, and uh, pretty much tell everyone the story that not only did they come out and they brought cymbals for her and I to play, mm-hmm. but it just so happened that Johnny Rab was in the audience as well. Nice. And I'm just going to drop that name. You guys can Google who yeah. Johnny Rab is. So I was very nervous playing that Sure. Game. But it was the first time, 2003, 2004, okay. that I was playing Minel yeah. cymbals. Uh-huh. And from then on, I was hooked. Yep. Um, but what's funny is how long it took for me to kind of mm, to evolve, reading, to evolve, them. and and start realizing that my loud Zildjian customs weren't necessarily the best thing to be playing in my bar gigs and things right. like that. Right. And I've learned over time that quieter cymbals can really affect a drummer's dynamics. Yeah. Because if you hit a loud cymbal, then the next response or impulse is to play the drum just as loud as you heard the cymbal. Correct. You it's have like, to maintain like a, that same dynamic velocity across your drum set, mm-hmm. if you will. It's almost like yeah. a handshake. You know, if, yeah. if, I, if, if you're going to hit a cymbal and it's like, man, that was loud, I should probably hit the snare drum really loud. Yeah. So now you're just dealing with your own wall of volume. Yeah. And we talked about, you know, stage volume. Mm-hmm. Everybody's trying to keep up with mm-hmm. you now. But mm-hmm. man, when I switched over officially to like all dark, dry, um, dark and dry minor cymbals, we're talking probably three or four years ago now. It really made a difference in how my approach to the kit, my dynamics, mm-hmm. and then how my playing was perceived. I get compliments all the time. Yeah. It's like, you know, from vocalists, like, man, I could actually hear myself singing mm-hmm. tonight. Mm-hmm. And that's huge, you know, yeah. because I know obviously there's a part of it where I'm, I'm playing a role in that, right. like maintaining my mm-hmm. dynamics. But my cymbals, if I, even if I want to lay into them, aren't going to kill the stage volume. So I would encourage all drummers, even other musicians, to you know think about the cymbals you're using. Yeah, Don't man. just buy Zildjian A Customs because no. it's the thing that's marketed in Modern right. Drummer Magazine. Right. Like, dig a little deeper. Yeah. You know, spend a little extra money. It really makes a difference. Yeah, and I think just across the board, that, that whole phrase that you use, digging deeper... Um, especially now, especially in the guitar marketing product line, um, with foot pedals, there's so many cats making great stuff mm-hmm. that are, you know, it's not just Boss and Ibanez and yep. MXR. I know there's anymore. like boutique stuff out there that's incredible right. that's just buried though. Right. And, and you know, um, you, you just have to dig a little deeper, but you got to know. You know, and we're going to touch on this in another episode. You got to know the sounds and the tones you're trying to achieve. Mm-hmm. Like you have mm-hmm. to be able to identify, dissect, and deconstruct, yeah. deconstruct, mm-hmm. reverse engineer mm-hmm. how they got said guitar part. Right. You know, and that's what I was doing as I evolved. And when I got to a point, you know, I could play a little bit. As I learned a little bit about music theory, when I was able to listen to music, that's what I was doing in conjunction with trying to figure out the arrangement, the chord structure, like I'm listening to what type of guitar is he playing? Is mm-hmm. it a Fender style Gibson style? Mm-hmm. Is he using a Marshall or is he using a Fender? Con- you know, I'm, I'm dissecting the tone 
that I'm going to need. Because not only do you need to play the part, mm-hmm. but it's got to sound like it too. You got to sound the part. You got to sound the part. Yeah. And I think if we're being honest, a true professional, working, whatever word you want to put with it, musician is is doing that yeah like they're not going well this is my amp yeah this is my guitar yeah. these are my drums these are my cymbals yeah. i'm going to play the part but mm-hmm. do you sound the part do you sound the part right yeah so you know with guitars you know the, that's why the multi-effects thing is the way to go because it's got everything in there you can experiment with it a lot of times you can hook these things up to your computer and you can have your itunes running so you can pull up your song and listen to it at the same time as you're trying to Mm-hmm. dial in the right amount of delay or reverb mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. whatever the song is so you know me you know i did the multi-effects processing thing was really 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 primitive back in the early 2000s mm-hmm. so it was all analog stomp boxes so i had to go through a lot of pedals to figure out which ones nailed certain sounds and which ones didn't mm-hmm. and um working at the music store was paramount in my ability to do that because mm-hmm. um, I'm able to literally plug them in to you know every kind of combination yeah of amplifier guitar. guitars yeah so you know not everybody has that ability but you can go out and buy a you know line six HX effects that has every effect you're going to ever need that's ever been yep. invented in that unit right and start experimenting with sounds right you know there's tons of stuff on YouTube where people you know, rig rundowns, if right. you will. We see those. Um, so you, so yeah. you can see what people are using. But, you know, there there, there are basic categories uh, of, of effects. There's some, like, uh, effect theory, if mm. you will. Okay. You know, just like there's music theory, there are mm-hmm. uh, effects pedal theories, you know, categories, you know, overdrives, boosts, EQs, modulatory effects. Mm-hmm. Um, all of those categories have pedals that fall within those. Hmm. those labels if you will that's pretty cool and they all do different things um obviously if you know more about those what they're doing and the sounds you can kind of um get the driftwood out Mm -hmm. so that's what i was really focused on was knowing what the products are knowing how to operate products Right. right right knowing not just what the not knowing not what the volume knob does but how does that volume knob on the pedal react when I dime it, when I put it into my amplifier, mm-hmm. right? It compresses the tubes different as opposed to when I have the volume, say, at 12 o'clock, mm-hmm. and I've got the drive maxed out. It's right. going to hit the front end differently. Right. So, Because then you're talking about like, the way it hits the speakers exactly. and all these kind of things. Like right. Everything it's, reacts different. Yeah, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's all trial and error stuff. Mm-hmm. But once you figure out... Uh, said tone. It's like ah, okay, that's how I got that sound. Mm-hmm. Let me let me put that in the in the bank there right, in the right. tone bank, if you will. Right. And then I'm always constantly drawing from that effects pedal theory base, if mm-hmm. you will. When I listen to a song, you know, is it a Stratocaster? Is it a Gibson Les Paul? What what guitars are you using? And then I've got every pedal under the sun to try and recreate that sound. Right. And, you know, I'm not going to, you know, there's all, there's so many good pedals out there. You know, it's, it's really about what works for you if you're trying to do individual stomp boxes. Um, you know, my personal favorite um, 
you know, overdrives. I really like the Friedman uh, distortion boxes. That's what I'm using as my main drive on my big touring pedal board. And I like exotic effects. Uh, they're overdrive. Overdrive pedals and distortion pedals are different. Like, it's basically overdrive is a lighter gain mm-hmm. and your distortion is like your hardcore Marshall just cranked up heavy metal big, style big breakup big yeah. breakup mm-hmm. so you got to have both of those mm-hmm. you got to be able to achieve both or, or you got to be able to recall both of those sounds so um, those pedals work for me I think they sound great with any guitar I put them through but the multi effects they simulate those pedals and they sound just great man mm-hmm. just as good as the when you AB them it's it, it's really remarkable how how spot on they are. That's cool. So you know that's that's what I would tell you know guitar players who are looking to get into the world of effects, um, or even working hardcore working guys, man. Like tap into these multi effects, man. Like really, you know, um, even if you've tried the Line Six and you don't like it, the Kemper stuff is great, man. It sounds really good. Even the Axe effects, it sounds good too. Mm-hmm. You know, take advantage of this stuff, man. It really, it's 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 the way to go. Um, but that's that's kind of in a nutshell, pretty much what I'm using right now. Yeah. Um, and quite honestly, with the capabilities of the HX Stomp, I don't even need to bring my huge pedal board out anymore. I bring the HX Stomp, a volume pedal, and an overdrive pedal, and that's it. I'm ready to go. Well, I think what I'm hearing you say and what I think both of us are saying is that over time, obviously it takes, it takes a bit of trial and error to figure out what you're going to use. But we both have had the fortune of working in music stores, Mm -hmm. so we could test a lot of stuff, but that doesn't mean that the average person couldn't go to a music store and try this stuff out. Correct. So, you know, I think the overlying or thing is, just dig a little deeper. You yeah, know, like yeah, if definitely. You, if you, I mean, obviously, magazines are going to do their job to yeah. promote products to you, but go to that store, dig a little deeper, get on the forums. You know, yeah, find man, the stuff sure. that you, that's going to work for you. Yeah, that's you know that's that's maybe not that exact thing that you saw marketed to you in one of your favorite magazines. Right, because mm-hmm. you just don't ever know. It could fit the bill, and it you you just gotta you really have to um, take advantage of going to guitar center and mm-hmm. just playing everything right pretty yeah. much take advantage of that stuff because that will help you seek out what you're what's in your head and get it out into you know you're playing you right know, get it out so cool so i think that brings us to you know kind of a wrapping of that understanding that you know people got to yeah. test gear yeah just don't, test don't, it out don't trust just marketing dollars yeah you know, just, yeah go out and figure out play the stuff um and and let your ears be the judge of if you need it or not. Yeah. And I think the second point is be sure that your, your gear reflects the gig that you have. Yes. Or will have, or will have, you know, and, and this way you're, you're playing to that. So a, you're, you're rehirable, mm-hmm. you know, you're not overplaying you're mm-hmm. not too loud, mm-hmm. wrong sound. You may be able to yep. play the part, but you don't sound the part. Right. Cool. All that stuff goes into it, man. Yeah, man. All of it. Um, so that brings us to picks of the week. Um, John has our transition music. <sighs> Zeta, boop, 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 goo, boop, boop. Nice. That was nice and cool. I like that. That was a segue there. That was a nice traditional segue melody there. I like it. You're welcome. I need to sample a lot. Like I said, I'm going to sample these things, and there's going to be. We're going to be putting put these on iTunes soon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in case you're wondering, Actually, they're, they're, they're going to be for sale. It could be your ringtone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
All right, so let's see. Um, um, John, you want to go first? Yes, picks, picks of the week mm-hmm. for me. Um, this is what I use on my uh, pedal board. I use the D'Addario pedal board cable kit. It is the solderless do-it-yourself pedal board kit. Mm. Yes, um, it is fantastic. It, um, you know, if you're trying to wire a pretty substantial board, um, you know, you're probably going to need to get two of these. Um, but uh, if you're just trying to, you know, power, you know, three, four, five pedals, um, it'll do the job. They're great, and they got 24 karat gold uh, tip connectors on the on the end of the quarter inch jack, mm-hmm. uh, and you just cut them to length. It comes with uh, the little cutter, a mm-hmm. wire cutter, and a flathead screwdriver. Um, so you just cut it to length, stick the cable in the uh, in the quarter inch. Um, female end and screw it tight and your cable's ready to go um sonically they sound great i don't hear they're super transparent i don't have any kind of high-end roll-off um or any kind of you know solderless cable issues and there's a lot of myths um in the uh, land of the internet about solderless cables versus soldered cables Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um to me I don't hear one difference when I come through my pedal board with soldered cables or solderless. Mm-hmm. And the reason why is because have I, I've got my pedal board constructed where I have buffers that are boosting my signal. Right. So I've got all this, you know, cable runs. Um, so the pedals have buffers in them um, at strategic places in the, in, in the, in the pedal board that, you know, uh, boost up the signal. So these cables I've had, Honestly, when I put them, when I wired my board with these cables, I the the fidelity of my signal was hundred times better. Wow, um, clean, right? Very mm-hmm. clean, super transparent, mm-hmm. um, and uh, they're you know they're anywhere from you know seventy seventy five dollars. I think Guitar Center Center has them. Uh, you know sixty nine ninety nine. I believe is probably the going rate. Um, but they're a phenomenal product. If you're looking to uh, wire up your pedal board uh, or cable up your pedal board, Ooh. I should say, the pedal board cable kit from D'Addario is outstanding. Check it out online or go to your neighborhood big box music store and pick you up some. Nice. Chris, what about you, sir? Well, mine is going to be a product that we've talked about individually, um, but uh, I feel like it's something I use almost daily yeah. uh, whether I'm playing live or whether I'm yeah. working in my, my little my little tiny yeah. uh, uh, humble home in studio your bubble uh, it's going to be Ableton Live oh um, god yes and I've, yeah. I've recently updated Ableton and went through all the the stuff of getting it like refreshed mm-hmm. and things packed anyway so I've, I've been using it a lot and, and just kind of Remembering how awesome it is to use. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, I was it's powerful. I, I was introduced no. to Ableton like you were, just like backing tracks. Right. You know, you play at churches or you play mm-hmm. with bands, and you see this piece of software, and it's just, oh, it's where our click comes from, mm-hmm. or it's where our guys come from, or, or our tracks, or whatever. And for a while, that's what I thought mm-hmm. the program was. Like mm-hmm. it was just for backing in for information. But later on, I realized that basically it had been reverse engineered yeah. to be used that way. That's right. not really what the use of Ableton mm-hmm. is. So when I started producing music in Ableton, then is when I really started to appreciate yeah, the, 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 the potential. 
Right, because, I mean, when you're using it in a live situation, you're probably not using the devices, features. Oh, and, no, no, um, no, not at You know, all. the music creation and performance side of it, mm-hmm. the way it can be used to be performed live, too, because it uses mm-hmm. a, a proprietary thing just to them that's called clips. Mm-hmm. So if you're in uh, arrangement view, mm-hmm. it looks very similar to most, um, you know, linear left to right type of things Correct. like Logic, like Pro Tools, mm-hmm. things like that. But they have a separate view called session view, and every single sound, whether it be MIDI or audio, it's all in its own little compact kind of box called a clip. Right. And you can arrange those clips mm-hmm. and then fire them, you know, from the top or in any order that you want to. Correct. And really what happens then is, let's just say you recorded a guitar part mm-hmm. and we sampled it. Mm-hmm. And I recorded a drum beat, and maybe you had like four or five guitar parts, I had four or five drum parts. We could arrange those in clips, almost like on a grid, and decide, okay, this feels like an intro, this feels like a verse. And instead of us having to flesh it out, mm-hmm. we know what the parts want to sound like. You can kind of do all of that in Ableton, like yeah. in that session. Yeah, that's, that's huge. Yeah. And, and, and Ableton is such a, um, gosh, I mean, it's just kind of industry standard for, mm-hmm. for you know, backing tracks. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, anybody that that I've played with that are using any kind of backing tracks or click tracks or guide tracks, it's all it's all cued through Ableton. Yeah, yeah. And the the other cool thing that that I didn't realize till recently is how you can sync it with other players on stage. Mm-hmm. So if like you know at the drums, I've got a laptop here mm-hmm. with running Ableton. A lot of times, the keyboard player, you know, with a, with most computers, mm-hmm. Mac specifically, you can create your own. Um, network mm-hmm. kind of closed between those mm-hmm. two. Mm-hmm. So if one of them is running Ableton, then the guy playing keys or maybe the guy playing bass, if he needs access to firing other tracks, they're in sync with each other. Right. Like just because they're on that same network. Mm-hmm. So just little things like that. I yeah. mean, it's a program that you it's really have to program. dig into, but man, it has been, I mean, essential game for changer. Me. Yeah, yeah. Game changer for mm-hmm. sure. So use it all the time. You guys should check it out. Um, uh, we'll have links up to uh, the VZ stuff. We'll, yes. we'll link up the line six stuff, yes. uh, minor symbols. Uh, yeah, and of course Diderio our picks stuff. of the week as yeah. well, the Diodario yeah. and Ableton stuff. And um, we're glad to be back after two yeah, weeks Glad off. to be back. Uh, we're getting back in the saddle again, as they say. So um, we're going to be coming back at you on our uh, normal standard normal. What, what do they call it? Regularly scheduled program? Yes, thank you. That's, that's where it. that's where we're going to be. So nice. Um, good topic, man. Yeah. This was a good one. Good. Um, we're we're going to be getting into a lot more gear stuff this month. So we're just yeah. getting started. Just getting started, guys. We appreciate all the uh, awesome feedback, great comments, positivity, mm-hmm. and uh, we'll keep it rolling for you guys. And we'll we'll catch you next week. We out. <laughs>